You're listening to P.F.'s Tape Recorder. This is the biggest name in comedy, Kostaki Economopoulos. I'm P.F. This is my tape recorder. Coming up, it's Sam Evans. Yeah, I I was really proud of uh, especially the way it went on the recording because the bit doesn't always go as well as it did on the recording. But I have a story that is uh, very real about um, I had a deaf Lyft driver. Yes, it's our first new episode in, gosh, uh, weeks and weeks and weeks. And uh, that poll there you heard uh, from Sam discussing the bit that went very well on his new comedy album. We're going to play that ahead of the interview with Sam. Then you'll hear his thoughts on uh, why that bit is one of his favorites. So, uh, yeah, Sam's got a new comedy album out. That's why he's on the show. Uh, There may not be live shows quite yet, but uh, people are still releasing comedy albums. And uh, we'll discuss that on the other side of the interview as well. So we'll do um, No Dumb Bit this week. Instead, you're going to get a clip from Sam's album, uh, Sweet Baby Boy, which is much better than any dumb bit I could come up with. Still working on a lot of dumb bits, though, so don't worry about that. Uh, and I do have a guest lined up, I hope, for next week as well. So hopefully we'll be, we are done with encore episodes for quite some time. Uh, in the meantime, uh, I'll, I'll have a song of the week. I'm sorry, song of the week from a band from New York, which is where Sam is living right now, called Young Thieves. So stay tuned for that as well. Now let's go to, uh, well, in lieu of a dumb bit, let's go to a cut from Sam Evans' brand new comedy album. The album is called Sweet Baby Boy, and the cut is called She's Fine. You guys have Lyft here, right? Uber, right? That is, that's probably pretty condescending to ask. <laughs> hey, you Hilljacks got indoor plumbing or what? I want to know if you'll get my big city references. <laughs> Beginning of last summer, I'm in, I'm in New York, and I'm with my friends, and we call a Lyft, and we get that, that standard ride-share text that you get from the company, right? It's like your driver will be arriving in five minutes, which is great, because you know that they will be arriving in about 20 minutes. It's great. It's a really good service. I love it. Uh-huh. And then I get three more texts after that one. First text, it says this. It says, your driver is deaf or hard of hearing. Okay, great. Next text, it says, don't call them, text them if you need to get in touch. Okay, great, that's fine. And then the third text says, during the ride, let them lead you in conversation, which that, not okay, you know? (laughs) Who here has ever gotten into a lift and they've been like, oh, well, I hope they lead me in conversation. (laughs) If there's one thing I hate, it's silence to myself. I'd never had this happen before, and I'm looking forward to it. I'm excited, you know? I'm, I'm thinking, good, great. I'm glad he's deaf. I'm not glad he's deaf. That came out bad. I'm not, that's not what I meant. I just meant good for him. This is, this is good. Uh, so me and my friends are waiting. He pulls up. We immediately see that his car is dented to high hell. It looks, it looks so bad. It looks like the surface of the moon. It's, it's like it was beaten into a gang of other Camrys. It's really... You know? It's in rough shape. But in my head, I'm like, oh, well, it's probably, he probably bought it like that. It's probably just a good deal. This guy's smart. And then we're all, uh, we're all going to get in the car. It's a full car, so I'm sitting up front next to him. And I open up the, the passenger side door. And I see that he has an iPad mounted on his center console. You see that a lot. Drivers will use it as like a GPS system. Not this guy. Not this guy. He's going freestyle with it. 
He's using this iPad to stream a Yankees game. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> and now you know the rest of the story, it's kind of on me, right? Because I should have seen that and been like, oh, no, thank you, sir. I would like to keep living today. Because <laughs> that's the thing. Listen, it's not that he's deaf. You can be a deaf Lyft driver, but if you are, you don't get to roll the dice on one of your four remaining senses. I need your eyes on the road, my man. I can, what, are you gonna smell your way onto the freeway? No. No, because you're not a dog, are you? <laughs> but I'm too, I'm too polite to say anything, and so are my friends, we're too polite. So we just get in and we cross our fingers. Now, for the next part of this story, listen to me, I need you guys to know that he does talk. He does have a very deaf voice, okay? That's, that's offensive. I'm not going to do it, okay? But when it gets to the part where he does talk, I'm just going to play it British because I think that's fun. <laughs> I think it's cheeky, and it's one of two voices I know how to do. So unless you guys want to hear him voiced by my grandma, he's going to be British. So we are in the car. He's driving. We're riding along. Already it's not looking good, right, because it's raining. Now, in his defense, he doesn't know it's raining because the Yankees are away, right? <laughs> So, this, so he's just having a nice night in Tampa, you know? But we're driving, and sure enough, he has to take a left-handed turn, and sure enough, there is a lady walking in the crosswalk where we're trying to turn left, and it's getting close. It's getting closer, it's too close. And I'm like, watch out, watch out. And then I remember he can't hear, so I, I windmill my hand just like, and it was, it got pretty, we did, we hit her. She's fine. She's fine. Listen, this isn't a story about how we murdered a woman together. This is how we hit her. Fortunately, he is going slow enough. And fortunately, the lady is paying close enough attention that she manages to put out her hands on the hood of the car. And she pushes herself out of the, we almost hit Wonder Woman. This girl was incredible. And then we end up about a car length past when he hits the brakes. We stop, we turn around, and we see that she's okay. And we know that she's okay because she is furious. <laughs> she's just like, hello, are you blind? We're like, so close, right? <laughs> right there, right there. And then we're like, well, what is this guy gonna do? I'll tell you what he's gonna do. He's gonna drive away. <laughs> And it's dead silent for like 30 seconds. And then finally this hero just talks and he goes, can you believe that moron? <laughs> like, oh, she's the asshole. Oh, M. Night Shyamalan could not write a twist that good, right? That's, that's incredible. And then he goes, oh, look at me, I'm a lady. He mimes, mimes like she has a bag. And that's sexist, right? Because I know she didn't have a bag. She was holding an umbrella with two hands right here, that she had to drop to push off the car! <laughs> and then he drives, he drops us off, and then, then I'm just an adult man who has to tell on another adult man, you know, which is the worst feeling. I'm 33, I gotta be like, mm, somebody did something. <laughs> and I'm way too soft in my email to Lyft. I'm just like, first of all, love that he's deaf. Uh, <laughs> so good what you're doing. I do have some thoughts. Uh, 
But you have to tell, right? It was the beginning of the season. If the Yankees make it to the playoffs, this guy is going to kill somebody. <laughs> that I've been running reruns of old interviews because no one's doing shows. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, and then I realized, hey, people do st- are still releasing stuff, uh, so maybe it's good to promote that. And um, so we're, you're in still in Brooklyn? Still in Brooklyn. Still in Brooklyn. That's correct. All right. And uh, but what's it been like there the past couple of months? Oh, my gosh. Um, it has been... Uh, for uh, you know, for the book, first part of it, it was uh, it's just been tense. Um, the day to day life, um, for the first part of the pandemic was okay, you know, it was just scary because the hospitals were very crowded and kind of overwhelmed. Uh, and then you know, uh, the the protests, uh, have been uh, good, um. It's it's weird to be out protesting in the middle of a pandemic, but huh. but um, you know. So that, that, I guess it had a different perspective because you were in kind of uh, I guess we'd say ground zero of the pandemic because around these parts, uh, you know, none of you spoke to folks back here. A lot of people weren't quite understanding why we were doing all this stuff uh, <laughs> to, to to prevent disease from spreading. Because I think people were expecting like some kind of like movie scenario where the whole town is like wiped out and there's bodies in the streets and it's like, well, no, that's what we don't want to happen. So if we mm-hmm. like close the schools for a while and do all this other stuff, that won't happen. But you actually did. Were you able to kind of see it more in New York City as far as you know? Uh, well, I guess I guess you were at a hospital. I guess not. You wouldn't really notice, but. I, uh, no, but I have a, I have a nurse friend who, uh, works at a hospital and she obviously saw it, you know, uh, firsthand and was very, very overwhelmed. Uh, she was actually initially concerned that she had gotten the virus. And so she was Ooh. off work for a couple weeks, making sure that she didn't have it. And then, uh, when it was confirmed that she hadn't gotten the virus, she went back to work. And so sort of just stepped into, uh, the, she didn't see like the escalation. She just went from like regular, the hospitals were starting to get busier. And then all of a sudden when she's back at work, she's in the middle of a, uh, full blown pandemic. And it was very overwhelming for her, she said. And, you know, there've been improvements, uh, and, and the infection rates are starting to go down, but yeah, it, it was, uh, she said it was very scary. So. I, I saw your governor on TV today uh, saying that they it's down to about 150 cases now being reported uh, a day, which is now way down from what it, what it was. But um, yeah, I've got a friend here that works at the Middletown Hospital, I think it is, or no, Hamilton, and he's a pharmacy tech, and he said the place is deserted, but they wanted to keep it that way. <laughs> And they had, they had two COVID patients in there, and that was it. And they just didn't want it to, you know, turn into what we were seeing in New York City. It's, yeah. Uh, it is just really weird how people see things. And I guess being a comedian, you kind of appreciate that. Um, so when's the last time you did a show? Back in March, I reckon, eh? 
it was back in March. I, th- I could probably tell you the exact day, March, I think 11th or 12th. This is actually uh, kind of interesting. The last show I did, my girlfriend and I, uh, my girlfriend, uh, comedian Carmen Legale, I have seen on the late show with Stephen Colbert. Uh, I always have to say her credits legally. <laughs> um, I recognize that name. Maybe if, not just from uh, that, but maybe from, does she tour around the country yeah. yet? She she tours around. Carmen opens oh, okay. uh, pretty regularly for uh, Hurry Kondabolu, um, and oh, yeah. then she's okay. also she, yeah, and she's also started headlining by herself. And ooh, okay. Well, there you mm-hmm. go, fans. All right. Yeah. Anyway, we, and we, um, we were we were doing a show together uh, Thursday, March twelfth, in Canada, in Kitchener, Ontario, which is about a half an hour outside of Toronto. I know it well. Oh, do you? Well, I only know it because growing up in Cleveland across uh, the lake from Canada, we would get a couple of TV stations uh, from Canada. One was from London and one was from Kitchener. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So we were up there and uh, we just did a show on Thursday night and we flew out um, the, the day before. And as we were sitting on the plane, that was when um, Mayor de Blasio, the New York City mayor, uh, sort of... He, he didn't say that the shit, the city was shutting down just then, but he was like, it's likely that we're going to have a citywide shutdown. And that's as we're flying out of the country. And so then we went oh. to do the show in Ontario. We did it the next night. Uh, and it was a good show. Um, but it was, it was definitely interesting because it was the, everybody was very nice afterwards, but it was, there was, you know, obviously no shaking of hands, no, no, uh, uh, contact of any kind. And then, uh, the next morning we flew back to New York and I have never been in a more quiet airport. There was, uh, just no sound. Uh, there was no line at customs. We essentially walked through customs. Uh, and then I remember we were sitting at the gate and I looked at Carmen and I told her the only thing I could hear in the whole airport was just someone very, very, very far off vacuuming, and that was it. Outside of that, I could have heard a pin drop. It was, it was eerie. And then the flight was a third full. And and the the one comforting thing, and it's the only time I'll say this, but when we got back to New York City, we got back in the afternoon, and there was still afternoon traffic. And I told her this is the only time I have ever been comforted by traffic, uh, and it's true. And then you've been pretty much holed up ever since? Essentially, yes. I mean, we'll go to the grocery store and we try to exercise, maybe go running two or three times a week just to more for our mental health than anything else. But outside of that, we're pretty well homebound. Uh, with the exception of the last week, we've been going out to a lot of these protests and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But um yeah, it's it's a it's a surreal time. It is. It's a very surreal time. Um, yeah, I've been the one chosen to go to the grocery store. Uh, only I, although my wife did venture out with me yesterday to go to Meyer finally because she couldn't take it anymore. But uh, yeah, I was the chose. I was a designated shopper because I always would go to you know to the shirts warehouse because uh, you were allowed if you're an essential business, uh, you were allowed to still go to work here. And Darren said that his lawyer said that we were an essential business, so I'm like, well. That's good enough for me. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah. So I will do that. Um, but getting to your album, um, which just came out like last week, I think it was. 
Um, what was mm-hmm. the, the what, how did this all come about? I'm sure this was planned way in advance of the pandemic, obviously. Um, when I'm always curious, when did you finally decide, hey, this is now is the time to do this? Um, it was, at a, I think, maybe this time last year, actually, probably. It must have been April or May last year. I, I had been thinking about it for a while. I had been doing comedy for about 10 years. And I had a body of material that I liked, you know. And I also, I, I have a thing where if I tell a joke for too long, I sort of, you know, fall out of love with it. And I wanted to record the material I was doing before I fell out of love with it. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, because you you lose your passion for it. You're not as like you know keen on telling those jokes. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah, you want to be excited for it. Yeah. And so I just kind of decided that I was going to do it. I didn't have a a record label at the time, but I just put a post on social media, and I just said, "Hey, I'm going to try and record an album uh, in uh, the fall," and uh, because I had already booked um, a headlining weekend at Go Bananas there in town. And I said, I'm going to try to record an album that weekend if anyone has any places that I can headline and try to work on my set and make it a little tighter. That would be great. And a lot of people reached out, a lot of comedians. It was really nice, and I'm very grateful. And then uh, a friend of mine, a comic, put me in touch uh, with this record label based out of San Francisco. They're called Blonde Medicine. And they put out just a lot of really, really good comedy albums. my friend, also from the Cincinnati area, uh, Ryan Singer, has yes. done an album with him. Okay, um, yeah. Friend of the yeah, show. Yeah, Josh, Josh Gondelman, Nori Davis. These are all like really, really great comics. And so I was like, well, if I could do one with them, I would be over the moon. And uh, they could not have been both uh, more receptive and just so helpful. Every uh, doing, doing your first album, the, there's so many things to do and it's so overwhelming. So to have anyone there that knows what they're doing to sort of take you by the hand is uh, really wonderful. You know, I have some, you recorded it at Go Bananas then, right? Yes. Yeah, I'm sure I, I promoted this in City Beaks. I remember, I think I remember in, uh, writing and asking you what you want me to say in the blurb because they only give me 150 words now in City mm-hmm. Beaks. Well, now they give me zero, but, um, of course, but, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, that's going to be a tough one. Best when comedy comes back, that's going to be really tough because a lot of the papers, I think the City Pages in Minneapolis will be okay. They're owned by the Star Tribune. But uh-huh. I'm worried for uh, Cleveland scene and and our own city beat, like you know how yeah. how people will promote shows. But um, so yeah, oh, so I guess gosh. I didn't remember that this was going on, and I forgot until it it, it happened. It actually uh, appeared. So uh, did you were you pretty set on what material? Because it's a pretty long album. I mean, there's there are a lot, there's a lot of bits on it, as we say mm-hmm. in the comedy. But were you set on what material you were going to do? Pretty much, or were there some borderline things like I might include this, I might not? Um, yeah, there were, I was pretty well set by, I'll say a month or two, probably two months before, uh, I had, I had from the moment I decided to record, I had a pretty good idea of what was going to go on there for the majority of it. But I always like to be writing and working on new material because I think it keeps it exciting and it keeps you engaged. So through the course of the summer, I was still doing uh, a lot of, new jokes and trying to write and add and and even just doing things like changing up the order and seeing how it works best as a a whole piece sort of um so i would say from about two months beforehand i had it pretty well set 
And then, uh, yeah, I just tried to polish it up in that last couple of months there. Were you apprehensive about releasing it during the pandemic or was that, did that not really factor into it? Um, e- sh- certainly. Yeah. I, I didn't know if it was a good idea or a bad idea. I certainly didn't want to, for it to look like we were taking advantage of, uh, the situation everyone's in, you know, but, uh, the fact of the matter is we, we were supposed to release it, uh, in early April. And I think we just pushed it back a little bit to, to have more time to promote given that, uh, you know, once everything shuts down, you don't exactly know how you're going to be able to do things yeah. uh, as as compared to before. So we just took some more time and, and decided to put it out uh, when it seemed like a good idea to put it out. And that's what we did. And what's the response been like so far? Really, really positive. I, I am so uh, touched um, at how because I, I I'm I'm by, by no means a, a famous person at all, but it got a really good reception, and I I truly think that is mostly due to my peers uh, in the community, uh, which I am just so so touched by. Um, I just had a lot of comedian friends and uh, people that I just respect and look up to, um, uh, 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 spread the word through just word of mouth and. Um, it was good. We had a, a a number one debut on iTunes, which is good, uh, and I, I think we stayed in the top five for two or three days. So I, I felt really good about that. And uh, yeah, and I noticed, uh, and, and a really good company too, because Gary Goldman has an album out just out now, and uh, yes, our own Billy Devore. He also, uh, I don't know how 100%. long, I don't know how long it was, but he knocked Gary off the top spot for a while there at least. And uh, so yeah, I mean, if you can go toe-to-toe with Gary Goldman. Holy cow. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's very exciting. I was, I was super excited for Billy to see that. That's really wonderful. Um, I haven't listened to the album yet. I do have it queued up in my queue here um, to, to listen to. I'll probably listen to it tomorrow while I'm folding shirts or something at the, at the warehouse. But uh, is there a favorite track that you have? Because what I'll probably do is play, instead of doing a dumb bit this week on the podcast, I'm going to be lazy, and I'll play a clip from your album. And then uh, we'll have this discussion here. But is there anything that, that, that you would recommend that uh, a joke you're particularly proud of or a bit I can I can pull? Uh, yeah, I I was really proud of uh, especially the way it went on the recording because the bit doesn't always go as well as it did on the recording. But I have a story that is uh, very real about um, I had a deaf lift driver. Okay. In uh, New York City, this was a couple years ago. All right. And uh, the story centers around the idea of this deaf lift driver uh, almost almost hit a woman. She's fine. Uh, she didn't die. Um, but it's it's just sort of me and my friends on this lift ride and the awkward experience of that uh, okay, happening. Cool. And it, well, it went well on the recording weekend. Cool. So. Well, by this time, everybody will have heard it because I'm going to play it before we do the interview. But that's great. This, um, yes. This, another bit of yours I always enjoyed was um, the was Party Bus. Does that make an appearance? Uh, yeah. Party oh, good. Bus okay. Does. Cool. All yeah, right. Yeah. All In right. fact, Party Bus was, I had a bunch of different material about, um, uh, people getting married and yeah. my brothers and relationships. And it was one of those older jokes I had that I realized, oh, I don't do this anymore. And I should probably throw it back in because it fits really well with this newer chunk of material. So it, it does make it on there. Do people ever come up to you and – because I've done this with just interviewing comedians saying, hey, do you still do this? Or there's always like one bit that I associate with every single comedian 
And I think it was Josh that was telling me, he goes, oh, yeah, whenever people tell me they saw somebody, I'll say, what was the joke? And I can pretty much figure out who the comedian is. It's, I guess he's a, uh, a comedy savant that way. But um, mm-hmm. uh, it was uh, Vince Morris from Columbus. He does a bit about his dad and how he used to uh, – his dad would sit in the dark smoking cigarettes listening to the Isley Brothers. And he's going, oh, I haven't done that put in years. I'm going to bring that back now. And I'm like, because it's – you know, do people do that to you? Come up and say, hey, yeah, you, you do this bit that you cracked me up and you, there are there bits you even forget about that you're like, oh, yeah. You've been at this uh, a while, so. Yes, I I do have that, and I love that. And actually, this past uh, year or so, I started uh, putting a note in my phone for that express purpose. Is ah. that anytime uh, somebody tells me they have a bit of mine that I I for whatever reason stop doing, I make it a point to just write it down in my phone to to maybe take another stab at it, you know, and see if I can't uh, enjoy the new. Uh, 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 maybe a new take on it or just doing the bit again. Um, yeah, it's it, uh, it's actually really valuable to have people say that. And it's it's nice. It's flattering. It feels good. Um, yeah, because people know your stuff, but that's always cool. Do you ever have a deal like when you're developing new material? Because I, I know I've talked to a lot of guys and gals that do this too, is they um, they do like a, a rule of three in that, not the, the rule of three we know of in, in comedy, set up, set up, punchline, but the rule of three is and they'll try a joke three times. And if it doesn't work in front of like three different audiences, they'll kind of back away from it. And then I've heard other people say, no, I'll keep at it until, because I know the funny's in there, I'll keep I'll keep at it until I get it out. How do you, like, approach it? Because I've done that thing, not so much with stand-up, because I don't really do stand-up anymore, but, like, when I'm developing a dumb bit for the podcast, I'll be like, well, there's something funny here. I just can't quite figure out what it is. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't know if I have an exact number on it. It's definitely at least three, though. Um yeah, I in fact some of my I have a uh, one of one of the the biggest helps in my career has been my friend Shane Torres. Um, he's a really funny comic. He's done Conan, Comedy Central. I think and, I've interviewed him. Uh, he is um, just a a master of of that because I think when you when you do that when you're like okay I'm gonna do this bit and if it doesn't work after however many times uh, I am gonna throw it by the wayside but he if he has faith in an idea he will stick by it no matter what and he is always right about it and i'm so impressed by that because for me i just get uh it you know it's a battle with my own hurt feelings right where uh (laughs) same yeah yeah. i i I just always want to be you know the funniest and the best and uh but but sometimes if you really want to get a new idea to work you just have to be comfortable with it sucking for a little bit so yeah yeah, or maybe people laugh at something you didn't, of some part of it you didn't that didn't occur to you. Um, oh sure, yeah. yeah. Um, so what's the future hold here? In the media? I mean, I, like I said, your, your governor was just on the TV today saying that I, th- I think they're getting ready to open open the city back up. What next week? Next month? Yeah, the, it's going to be in phases though, and I think they're still a long way off from, unfortunately, from having any uh, live performance venues. Uh, I think what they're trying to do is is focus on businesses that can function with what do they say like less than ten people you yeah. know in in close quarters and obviously live performance venues that doesn't necessarily apply to so um, you know the hope is that as soon as possible but also we want to maintain safety and stuff like that I would guess that I am more likely to be doing stand-up somewhere outside of the city before ah, okay. New York itself. But that again poses its own challenges because, you know, I don't, uh, I don't, I don't have any intention of spreading a disease. Right. right? Um, 
it's it's been a bit of a mental battle because every single comedian I talk to, all we want to do is perform stand up again. But it's uh, because of the situation, you might just have to sit on your hands for a while and and uh, find another creative outlet. So I, I've well, been. I, I was going to say, what's uh, what have you been doing to, to that end? Have it been? Um, I have been trying to write, but if I told you that I have been writing, I would be lying to you, <laughs> PF. Um, <laughs> but I, I do, I do like to just write, even if it's not jokes, just, uh, so I'm trying to get better at that. Just sitting down and working on anything, be it an essay or a short story or something funny. Um, yeah, I do need to prioritize that more though, as, as it becomes evident that we might be in this situation for a while, which is okay. Yep. We'll we'll make it out, and comedy will be back. I'm confident of that. So. And uh, and it's been helpful so far in the various forms people have you know found a way. Whether it's the late night folks, um, you know, doing the show from their homes, or like you just over, you know, at least releasing new new material as in, in an album form. Uh, mm. And people are finding a way. Absolutely, comedy will find a way. It's like Jurassic Park. That yes. Life will find yes. a way. All right. Mm. Well, great, man. Uh, when do you reckon you'll be back? Uh, uh, our way probably not until clubs open up or yeah probably clubs open up i'm guessing probably towards the end of the year okay i was i, I think my last club weekend was the weekend before halloween so probably not before then but but whenever they're open and they need somebody i'll be back great yeah they're uh, remodeling i don't know if you saw i saw big, i'm big excited remodel. yeah for, for a second i was almost nervous yeah know? yeah i know right and uh, i guess um uh, mikey's got a notion to do drive up comedy shows yeah, yeah, yeah. They actually that is one thing I've seen a handful of those happening at different parking lots around the city. Uh, I have not done one yet, but they are those are happening here as well. Oh, so cool! That's, All right, that's what's interesting between that between Zoom comedy shows. Um, uh, yeah, people. I've I've even there's a comic Bert Kreischer is going on a, a drive-in movie theater tour at the end of june i think he's just doing a handful of cities that have drive-in movie theaters and he's going to perform so you you know people people really will find a way around it cool well great man well appreciate you taking the time today and uh, being my first uh new guest and gosh over a month now so hopefully i can keep this string alive Um, yeah i'm honored pf thank you yeah and uh, yeah i said well uh and people can get the album in all the usual places right you're you're uh, Apple Music, your Spotify's, your Pandora's, your whatnot. Everywhere, yes, right. they awesome. can get it. iTunes, Apple Music, Amazon, Google Plus, Tidal, uh, Jay Z's streaming service, Tidal. They can get it everywhere. You can also get it. I don't know if you know this. You can get it in Freegal. Freegal. <laughs> yeah, it's um. No, this is really cool. It's uh, our library partners with this place. Uh, it's called Freegal. and what they do is you can. They have a deal with two of the the big record companies. Uh, BMG and Sony, and then hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of other independent labels, including apparently the label you're on. Uh, you, you can stream and download stuff. And uh, I interviewed them for a job I was at years ago, and I said, "Hey, your guys, are, you pay royalties, right?" And the guy, I talked to the owner, and he kind of hemmed and hawed at it, and said, "Well, uh, whatever the contract says." So uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's there are royalties involved because you're only allowed you can only download seven songs a week. So, so you can't be able, but you can stream as much as you want. And I'm, I, I guess that. How do that, you, do you mind spelling Freegal for me? I'm actually interested in that. Uh, F-R-E-E-G-A-L. I'm sure your local public library is connected to it. Um, if you go to our library, if you were still back home, you would just go to the Cincinnati Public Library and go to the digital library page and look up audio and Freegal is there. So there's something called Overdrive and Hoopla is another one. Hoopla, you can't, 
Koopla, you can only download stuff temporarily, then they suck it back off your device. But, um, but yeah, that's how I plan to listen to uh, your album, by the way, because um, Spotify does not work well for me, and it only, sure. it'll, it'll only shuffle stuff on my phone. I want to hear the album in order, so I'm listening to it on Freegal. And, hey, uh, by, yeah. by hook or by crook, I Ex- don't care. Just Ex- enjoy it. Exactly, that's the thing. We want to get the word out, and we will tell folks uh, uh, to to uh, yeah, listen in all your all your favorite places for some brand new comedy from Sam Evans. And uh, we we'll hope to see you, uh, I guess, back here in the fall, then, sir. Absolutely. Thank all you right. so much right. for your time, PF. I really appreciate no it. No problem, Sam. Talk later. Take care. Bye. Thanks again to Sam Evans for being on the show. All right, you can catch Sam sometime, uh, hopefully later in the summer. Uh, I don't even know if Sam has a website, actually, but uh, just Google comedian Sam Evans, and I'm sure you'll any any and all information. You might even see more bits, uh, maybe some things, uh, some bits of him performing live in New York City because he does uh, almost every night there in the city when there are shows, of course. Uh, so this is going to bring us to our uh, oh. I was going to, before the song, we could mention uh, two other comedy albums that are out. Uh, Billy DeVore, who I work with at Cincy Shirts, has had an album come out uh, within the same week. And he was number one on iTunes. You maybe heard us discussing it in the interview. Uh, number one on iTunes for a while there, along with Gary Goleman's new album. I think Gary Goleman's is called The Precious. Uh, Billy DeVore's is called Drinking at the Kids' Table. So look all those albums up. Again, no live comedy shows just yet, but there's three fine comedy albums right there for you to look into. So that should keep you busy for a while. Now that brings us to the song of the week. The song of the week is from a band called Young Thieves. Discovered them uh, on Free Goal, as a matter of fact. We were discussing with uh, Sam Evans there. But uh, Free Goal, it has the highlighted uh, songs. You know, every couple of days they update it. And uh, this band is called Young Thieves. And, uh, you know, of course, the title caught my eye, Skinny Dip, you know, because I'm very pro-nudity. But um, what's weird about the song, first of all, they're described as an electro-pop trio from New York. And I don't think I would say electro-pop is quite their thing. I would say it's more like a triple-A, you know, album alternative rock sort of situation. Uh, doesn't sound like but fits in with Vampire Weekend in the 1970s. You know, more grown-up alternative rock and roll. Okay. And uh, I watched the video, and uh, I'm very disappointed. The lead singer, Alexandra Moore, sings a song called Skinny Dip, but wearing a bikini top. So now, she doesn't have to be naked in the video. That's fine. You could have gotten just an actress to be in the video, or an actor. Doesn't matter. I don't care. But, you know, be, be true to the song. Anyway, uh, it's a nice tune. The rest of the stuff is really good, too. But this, I believe, is their most recent single, and it's our song of the week on PHT Recorder, Young Thieves, Skinny Dip. So long, and thanks for listening. <laughs> Scared to be alone These thoughts racing through my head My demons overflow And we're just trying to stay afloat Every day we're falling further in the undertow And I know, and I know, and I know, and I know That I want you next to me And I won't, and I won't, and I won't let go When the water gets too deep So show me With me, 
sometimes to be somebody you don't know So who's the stranger in your clothes? I want to know each detail of the freckles on your nose And I know, and I know, and I know, and I know That I want you next to me 